Welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. Um, today we're going to talk about the four effect. And before we begin, tell me, does this describe you? While sometimes you spend hours talking to people, on other days you can be quite content with your own company. Or tell me if this applies to you. You're having problems with a friend or relative. Now don't ask me how I know these things, I just do. I have a feeling about you. Um, this is the, the four effect. If, if that at all sounded like it resonated with you, if that at all sounded like, you know, it, it might be true except for the fact that I'm being really cheesy about it. Um, it, it's, it's also known as the Bartom effect. And it's basically this idea that if I say something general enough, you'll sort of project that it applies to you. Um, it's, uh, also known as the Barnum effect because, you know, the whole sucker born every minute thing, right? He used to use this technique himself. Um, and, uh, the Forer effect, uh, was named after Bertram Forer, who was the first person kind of to describe this, uh, experimentally. And the experiment he did was, and this is back in the late forties, I want to say 1948. Um, he gave his students, uh, a test, right? A sort of a personality test. And then he, um, they gave their answers and then he, uh, reported back out this assessment, um, and I'm going to read you some of the uh, statements from the assessment. So, uh, uh, you have a need for other people to like and admire you, and yet you tend to be critical of yourself. While you have some personality weaknesses, you are generally able to compensate for them. You have considerable unused capacity that you have not turned to your advantage, right? And he uh, gave this, you know, a student would take the test, um, they would get this assessment back, and they would be asked to rate, well, how accurate is this assessment? How well does this describe you? And the average rating was 4.26 out of 5, right? Pretty damn accurate. The trick, of course, is that everybody, regardless of how they answered the test, got the same assessment. That thing I just read, that everybody got that. And there's a, a few more statements, and I'll, I'll link to them uh, in the show notes uh, on, on the Facebook page. But uh, the idea is that uh, regardless of the fact that there was nothing personalized about these results at all, people thought, because they were general enough, um, uh, and they kind of wanted them to apply to them, uh, they, uh, they they projected their, their, that, that these things were true about them, that this was a very accurate assessment and therefore a very accurate test. Um, and again, it, and, and, and as it turns out, the actual assessments, those statements, were just pulled together from various conflicting horoscopes. Like, And that is sort of one of the arenas where you see this effect play out as astrology, horoscopes, you know, um, cold readings, magicians, people who can sort of go into a crowd and sort of like tell you, you know, uh, your future or make you kind of feel like they know you and then you can start giving up information that makes their predictions more accurate. Um, and this test has been also tried out on, uh, like, you know, managers at companies, you know, uh, you give them a test, uh, they answer their questions, and regardless of how they answer the questions, you give them the same feedback. They say, this is super uh, accurate. It doesn't just work on students. It works on people with, you know, who work for a living. Um, and again, it's this idea that we assign detail to general statements. And you can think about how this plays out in, 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 um, in politics, right? Like, as soon as I heard that description of the four effect, I immediately immediately jump to mind uh, is the phrase, make America great again. Like, that is something that regardless of how you feel about America, if you have any woes, any, you know, discontent at all, you can read into that, right? Hey, I remember when my dad could work at that factory that's closed down. Yeah, let's make America great again. I remember when everybody I saw was white. We can make America great again, right? Like, regardless of what, you know, uh, um, what, what beef you've got, like, with the current state of things. You can read 
that beef into Make America Great Again, why wouldn't I vote for that, right? So another kind of related phenomenon is called selective validation, and it's this idea if I say, okay, I'm going to tell you some things and um, that are related to each other, and I'll say like telephone, Lamborghini, cheetah, and because I've framed it you know, as something that should have a relationship, your mind will start to form a relationship with it, right? Um, and so uh, people will look for, again, they'll kind of project because they're expecting to find connection. They'll make it happen, whether it makes sense or not. And one of my favorite sort of versions of this, um, there was an experiment where they were trying to test, like, you know, the validation of, um, uh, I think it was Amazon um, reviews, uh, not the reviews, the, um, what do you call it, the related items, right? So related content, related items, all of this. And they ran a test where basically they had results that were actually based on some kind of algorithm. Hey, you're looking at pants, so we're going to show you shoes and shirts or something like that. And, you know, this was, you know, an actual methodology behind what they're showing. But then they had another one that was like actually randomly selected products. But the, um, the sign above them said, you know, related products or also recommended or something like that. And they found that the random ones performed as good or better than the ones that were actually based on some sort of algorithm. Now, um, I remember hearing about that experiment at the time um, without, without really knowing about the forer effect, but the, the selective validation, I, I, it feels like that might be related, right? Because you're framing it as something that should be related, and so your mind just simply assumes that it is. Um, and um, I can't help but think that was involved. But... Uh, uh, another thing that um, this reminds me of is uh, my, my favorite band in the world is U2. Um, so I do not say this to disparage them, but even I have to admit, um, a lot of their like most successful songs are written at just this perfect like mix of specificity and generality. You know, a song like One or a sort of Homecoming or Bad, like, and they're about, you know, things, real things, but they're written with this universality to them so that whatever you're kind of going through, you can kind of project your own thing onto that song and it feels very moving um and i you know i applaud them for this right like but at the same time i don't pretend that it is in fact this they've actually zeroed in on just the thing that's troubling me and written a song about it there's this magic to them being able to kind of keep it at this kind of vague level right it, it is it is to be honest vague songwriting um but i think deliberately so uh, but I think there's probably a good deal of horror effect going into how their, like, some of their most successful songs work as well. Um, and pop, you know, good pop music in general can, can, can do that. Um, they've looked at some of the things that make the horror effect more or less effective. Uh, so the ratio of positive to negative trait statements, right? So, you know... You're confident, but you don't always show it, or something like that. Like, uh, it, it usually requires a mix. And generally, the mix, um, based on something else I'm about to tell you, is probably on the heavier on the positive trait side. Um, I'm still looking into exactly which ratio like they're going for there. If anyone happens to know, please um, write in on the, the Facebook page and, and, and let me know if you found a study about that. But um, the reason I suspect it's the more positive than negative is because the self-serving bias, which we've kind of hinted at a couple of episodes um, so far, in a couple of episodes, uh, it can kind of counteract this bias um, because if the self-serving bias is in effect, you're really only going to respond to the positive traits, right? So if I say something like, you know, you are fairly confident, but you have trouble showing it, you're just going to listen to the yeah, I'm fairly confident, but I've got no trouble showing it. What are you talking about, right? You know, so you'll start to be skeptical, right, of the assessment. Um, so this is one case where maybe it's good to have a little self-serving bias. You'll be a little more uh, skeptical, less 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 gullible. Um, 
Although at the same time, you're just kind of being gullible about yourself. So it's, you know, it's a trade-off. Um, another thing that works is to say at times, right? So precede, precede these um, assessments with the word at times. So at times, you're confident, but at times, you're shy, right? Well, who doesn't that describe, right? Like, I'm giving you room to find yourself in that statement um, by giving you contradictory statements, but softening it with at times. And um, the past couple episodes, we've talked about uh, biases that really only work or work better in sort of more Western individualist cultures. This one is universal. Like, wherever you go in the world, you can pretty much trick people with this particular effect, right? No matter where you go, people will read themselves, read specificity into general statements. Um, So uh, that is the four effect. Um, We will be back next week with a new one. Uh, For the Cognitive Bias Podcast, uh, this is David Dolan Thomas, and we will see you next time. 